It is always a joy and a privilege to be at Eastern Nazarene College and good to be with all of you today. <clears throat> I want to talk to you a few minutes this morning about uh, a topic that I haven't really talked much about. But I'd like to talk a little bit this morning about hospitality. And I don't know, that's probably not the top on your list this morning to think about coming to chapel, and I was going to say on Tuesday, but is today Wednesday? It's been a long week already, but it's Wednesday morning. And you know, I'm just thinking about this idea of hospitality as the people of God. Now, I have the privilege of serving at a seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, and we're learning a lot about hospitality in our own community and what that means for us as a seminary. For a long time, we were this building that people drove to from all over Kansas City, and they'd come and they'd take classes, and then they'd turn around and they'd go back home at the end of the day. But all of a sudden, uh, a few years ago, when we had shared this property with the denominational headquarters, the denominational headquarters moved out of our part of town. And when they moved out of our part of town, they said, would you take over some of the properties that we're leaving? And that included 12 houses on the street there where the seminary is. So all of a sudden, we, we had these 12 houses, and suddenly we started having students that were living within the community there. And uh, now we have about 30 people that live within walking distance of the seminary, and, and that's kind of a big deal because that's different than the way things have always been around that community. Now, what's interesting about our community as well is that there is this street two blocks west of where we are in Kansas City. It's called Troost Avenue. It's a street that you've probably never, ever heard of, but in Kansas City, it's a significant place. You see, it became this unofficial dividing line in Kansas City between black and white. For you see, up until about the 1960s, if you lived west of Troost Avenue, the deeds of your houses said that you did not sell your house to a black or a Jew. And when that has existed within your community, you find yourself in a place where there is division. And no matter how much we change some of the laws, things don't just change because we change laws. Things begin to change when people begin to change and reach across places like Troost Avenue and say, let's make a difference. And I just want you to know that at your seminary that we are wrestling with what does that mean to show hospitality in our community in a place where sometimes we did well and sometimes we didn't do all that well. We've been reaching out and getting to know our neighbors better. And I know that that just ought to make sense, but we didn't necessarily know our neighbors very well. So I get to participate in something called the South Town Council and serve on that board and, and get to uh, know the people within our community and what is happening there. We also have two of our leaders serving on housing associations, and part of what's happened in our community is that, yes, we had a lot of crack houses in our neighborhood, and things just kind of kept happening, and um, the result is that we have a number of empty houses in our neighborhood. And having a lot of empty houses is not a good thing for a community, because you never know who's going to just kind of move into those empty houses and be squatters in the neighborhood. The city has finally decided they need to do something to make a difference in our community, and so they have said we want to get rid of these empty houses. So recently, in communication with our neighbors, we asked whether there was a way we might get engaged in getting some of those houses, trying to show hospitality. And um, in doing so, it looks like 
the Lord's going to help us pick up some of those empty houses, and the community's helping us do it for the legal fees. And I know this is not common in Quincy area, but we can pick up a house for $200 in our neighborhood. How do we pick up then those houses and how do we transform them and how do we help to show hospitality in our neighborhood? We're wrestling with that. So hospitality this morning. And I just upgraded my iPad this morning and so it's turning on differently. So if I'm up here doing this, it's because I should have practiced better. But uh, I also served as a missionary for 13 years in the former Soviet Union. I'll never forget one day I was riding the public bus, which I rode most of the time when I traveled around there. And it was always interesting getting on the bus because sometimes it depended how far out from the city center you started. You might have had a lot of space on your bus, but the closer you got to the city center, the tighter and tighter it became in the bus. And sometimes you just ended up face to face with people that you didn't know. And one day, on one of those occasions, I ended up face-to-face with this lady. And we were both on the bus for a long time. And so I began kind of talking to her because I could tell that she was not from that neighborhood. You see, she had a little bit darker skin and she had a little bit darker hair color. And in Russia, I'm just being honest with you, Russians are quite prejudiced. And I thought, I wonder what her story is and I wonder what she is having to live through. I discovered that she was a refugee from Afghanistan. She was a Muslim. She had come to Moscow trying to find some kind of help for her family. And as we stood there on that bus that day, both of us in our broken Russian trying to have a conversation, I'm finding out more and more about this woman, and she gets out her documents even to kind of show me who she is and what she's trying to survive, and they're not totally documented, and how is she going to live in Russia And somehow on that long bus ride, as we became more and more crushed together, we became friends. And by the end of that conversation, we had exchanged telephone numbers. I remember visiting her in the hospital when she was very, very ill. And I remember her inviting me to come out to visit her, where she and her family were living. So it was one evening, I gathered my two little girls, my husband was out of town, and we got on buses and we rode for probably more than an hour until we got to the very outskirts of the city of Moscow to a place where the refugees from Afghanistan were living. It was not very nice housing, and and I finally found the address, and she lived in an apartment, and they had a one-room apartment, she and her husband and six children. We got to the apartment and they welcomed us. They were so excited that we had come to their house to visit them that night. And I just will never forget the hospitality that I experienced in the home of a refugee that had nothing. She welcomed me in. And on their one room floor, they had spread this huge blanket. And it was covered in food. And we were all invited to sit on the floor and sit around and fellowship and share. And we had this most incredible evening together. (laughs) A night where I experienced the hospitality of a Muslim refugee from Afghanistan. And I felt like God was saying, you as a follower of Jesus Christ, what does it mean for you to be hospitable? What does it mean for us to share with others. So I'm going to take us to a few different scriptures this morning, and I don't know if you actually brought Bibles, or you've got your iPads, or your iPhones, but I'm taking you to several scriptures this morning if you want to follow along. I'm starting in Luke chapter 10, starting with one, verse 38. It's a story that you've maybe heard before. Luke 
chapter 10, it's the gospel story in uh, verse 38. You've heard this story, I'm guessing. Now, as they went on their way, this is Jesus and his disciples, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister whose name was Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying, but Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better, which will not be taken away from her. Now, I've always found that story kind of interesting because, you see, if I look at that story from my perspective, which one of those two sisters is working the hardest? I mean, Martha, you know? Which one of those is the one being the more hospitable in this situation? It's got to be Martha. You know, I'm going to confess to you, one of my little addictions lately is if I ever have free times flipping through the, uh, through the TV channels, I like hitting the Food Network, you know, there's just some fun stuff on there. I like Chopped. I like seeing how they do that kind of stuff. I just, you know, there's different fun kind of things. All that food stuff, it's got to be fun. And if Mary and Martha were li- alive today, I mean, Martha probably would have had her own show. That's what I'm guessing right there on the Food Network. So Jesus goes to visit to this home, and obviously Martha has this gift of hospitality. She is the one that knows how to prepare all this stuff. And think about this, Jesus didn't just show up by himself, he showed up with a whole big group of people, and Martha was going to take care of them. Now, Jesus goes in the front room, or wherever that was, and he's preaching the gospel. But something interesting is happening in that home. You and I might be thinking about what is it that we need to do to show hospitality And there's a lot of conversation about that in this world today. How do we reach across divides, and how do we show hospitality to individuals? And Martha thought that she was the very best at showing hospitality in that situation. She obviously thought her sister didn't have a clue. But think about this for a moment. What was the best dish that was on the table at that house that day? What was the very best thing that was being served up? It was the good news of Jesus Christ. So really, when Martha got so busy making all the hors d'oeuvres and everything she'd seen on the the Food Network, she was ignoring the fact that the best dish that she could ever serve was in the other room, having a conversation. This was the best place to go. And so suddenly, this idea of hospitality, and you and I, we can become so wrapped up in things that we want to do about with hospitality, but if we forget to serve the best dish in the house, we might just have a problem. And we are followers of Jesus Christ, and as followers of Jesus Christ, We have the best dish to serve, and that is hospitality. There is much to be done. There is much to be done in the area of hospitality. And hospitality actually begins at home, and it begins in your life and in my life. It seems always much needs to be done, but what about having our time with Jesus? What about you and I being fed by the best dish in the house? Are we focusing so much on doing things and wanting to do them extremely well that we forget that we have the best thing to offer? Our world is pretty, Christi- is pretty critical of Christians these days. 
They're wondering how you and I are going to actually show hospitality across the barriers. We're called to reach across them. But genuine hospitality is providing others with the best dish on the table. Don't forget to tell people about the best dish. Don't become so consumed with all the details of life that we fail to present Jesus. And in doing so, we really are failing to show hospitality. And not only do we fail to show real hospitality sometimes, but there are times that we fail to see that there are people right in front of us that need to experience hospitality. So let me just take you to another scripture. It's in Philemon. Have you all ever even heard of that one? Little book, little letter right there called Philemon. And I just want to take you to Philemon verses 1 and 2, from which I'm going to guess maybe you've never heard anybody preach. But let me just, let me just share with you just a little bit from this. Philemon, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. All right, it's just a little welcome greeting at the beginning of a letter that's being sent out. And this brief letter is written specifically to support a runaway slave by the name of Onesimus. This man had come to faith and was now serving God and Paul. However, the time had come for him to return home to his master. And now there was a question about hospitality. How would the master receive him? Paul, living out a life in the new kingdom, had accepted Onesimus as a brother in Christ. Remember Galatians 3.28, where it says, there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. I mean, those barriers had been obliterated with Paul. He was reaching across the aisle. Those things had been changed, but now he's asking somebody back at home to receive this person as a brother as well. But in sending this letter, in sending this note, we discover that Master Philemon was not alone and that these two other people are in the stories, Aphia and Archippus, are present. So how do they play out in the return of this man, Onesimus? And what is it all about and what does it have to do with hospitality? So for all those times that you all have spent reading Philemon, yeah, you're laughing, I don't know. Have you actually read Philemon? I don't know. And how many of you have ever noticed this name, Appia or Aphia? Ever heard about her before? I just remember one day I'm reading this scripture and I'm going, okay, wait a minute. Who, who is this person? All right, so here's just a confession. I'd never noticed her before. And yet there she was, and I call her the woman in the middle. The woman in the middle, and she's listed between Philemon and Archippus. So I tell you what, I had to go glance at some commentaries, and I'm thinking, who in the world is this woman? Aphia. And um, literally, she's sandwiched between these two men, And most of the time, people say, well, maybe she was Philemon's wife. But interestingly, John Calvin's commentary, he doesn't even mention her. I mean, he just talks all about Philemon. He talks about Archippus, and he ignores the woman in the middle. Who was she? Why would she even be included in this story? Now, interestingly, John Wesley believes that she's the wife of Philemon and also that she had to have been an influential partner in all that Philemon did or Paul would not have also addressed the letter to her. This means she's influential in business and also in the fact that a church is meeting in her home. She is a significant player when it comes to hospitality being shown in her home and yet the woman in the middle is just overlooked by probably almost every one of us in this room. 
we've never noticed her. She's a co-laborer with her husband in life and ministry. She's included in the letter because she has to accept Onesimus as well. I mean, the acceptance of Onesimus is not enough. She's not just the woman in the middle. She's the partner of Philemon. So listen, hospitality on your part and my part means that we need to be careful not to overlook anyone. Do you know how easy it is to just glance over things and ignore people that are present in front of us, even right now today? Throughout life, we may encounter individuals who are overlooked within the narrative, but they are influential nonetheless. Often they are faithful individuals who work day in and day out without ever getting any attention, and yet if they had gone, then the whole would be left and it would be astounding. We run into them and sometimes over them without even noticing because we take people for granted. Isn't it easy to walk around this campus and take people for granted? Are there people on this campus you just have never even said hello to? Or you won't look them in the eye? We fail to show hospitality because we don't necessarily see the woman in the middle. The name in the middle of those scriptures that's there. We fail to show hospitality because we don't know how to get to know people who are not like us. And we take Appia for granted, and yet what would the household of Philemon have been like without her? Just imagine. We don't know the details, but uh, let's use our imaginations a moment. If a wife were not in harmony with her husband's religious faith, how peaceful would it have been to have a church worshiping in their house? I'm guessing she thought this Christianity thing was a positive thing. I'm guessing that she showed hospitality and opened her home for a church to gather there. Or should the wife have disliked Onesimus and wanted him punished, what do you think her husband would have done? She had influence. She wasn't just a woman in the middle to be overlooked. She was a woman with a great deal of influence, and her response to Paul's letter was going to be just as significant as her husband's. Jesus intentionally sought out the overlooked. And you and I, we are to be Jesus in our world. Look for the man or the woman or the child in the middle of the story today. Hospitality is to reach to those whom we may overlook. Listen for them. Look for them. My daughters, I told you about them going with me out to see the refugee family in Moscow. And so my daughters were raised in a world where we saw a lot of needy people on a daily basis. And yet sometimes as a mom, I wasn't ever really sure, were my kids seeing this or were they not seeing it? So my oldest daughter, she went to another Nazarene university and she had this trip down to Washington, D.C. as part of her program. And after that trip, her professor came up to me at a meeting and he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I took your daughter Christy to Washington, D.C., and he said, while we were going around D.C. and doing all of our touring and doing all that stuff, he said, um, one day we were eating lunch at Subway in D.C. And he said, in front of the Subway restaurant was a beggar. And he was out there with a cup and he was asking for money. And he said, we all walked past that man and we came and we sat down in Subway. And he said, and then we're just having lunch. And he said, I noticed something. He said, your daughter never said a word, and she'd probably hate me telling this story. He said, but your daughter went up to the counter, 
and had another sandwich made. And your daughter walked outside and talked to the man begging and gave him a sandwich for lunch that day. And then she just came back in and sat down with the rest of the students and never, ever said a word. Yeah, as a mom, I'm proud of that. But I believe that she was doing something that I would want us to do as followers of Jesus Christ, and that is to notice the people that it's so easy to, lead to, walk, it's so easy to walk past. Notice the person that is in need and think about what is it that I can do today to pay attention to them. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are to show hospitality to those who are different from us. We are to reach out the hand of faith across the divides that surround us, and God's people are to be a people of hospitality. But there are times when sometimes you and I get weary and our hospitality just runs out. In John chapter 2 with verse 1, if you want to follow along, one more story. John 2, 1, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone jars of jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars to, with water. They filled them up to the brim, and he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine, he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This was Jesus' first miracle, and it's one in which we see him extending hospitality. It was the responsibility of the host to throw the party. It should have lasted for days. People were going to come from all around. There had to be lots of food and drink. But the worst thing that could have ever happened to this family was that things ran out. <laughs> Maybe they hadn't planned well, but their resources for hospitality had come to an end. And Jesus steps in. He responds in the midst of their needs, and he provided the needed wine. People were amazed. But Jesus took over and helped them extend hospitality. As a people of God, you and I, we are expected to show hospitality, but we may just find ourselves in the same position as the host of the wedding party. We run out. We run out of our own resources, and we don't know how to do the things that maybe we're called to do. The problems may seem insurmountable. And I don't know about you, but you got, get bombarded with all the stuff that's happening in our world. How do you show hospitality to refugees who so badly need a home? I'm guessing you wrestle with that question. How do I show hospitality to my sister or brother who lives across the racial divide? How do I show hospitality to those who have sexual practices with which I may not agree? Or how do I show hospitality to those who seem to be keep taking things from me and exhausting me? And I don't know about you, but you may be planning a life in which you're saying, I'm going to reach out in hospitality to those around me. 
But there will be a time when you suddenly realize that you run out of your own resources and you will be exhausted. Panic can ensue as we find ourselves in a very embarrassing predicament, just like the people in that wedding. Ministry to others isn't always going the way we thought it would, and we get tempted to throw in the towel. <laughs> Mary knew where to go when the hospitality had run out. She sat at the feet of Jesus, and she feasted on the best dish at the meal. Our holy God invites us into a lifestyle of hospitality, one that depends upon gracious resources given to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. If you're exhausted and you're worn out, take a deep breath and enter into the rest of God, the God of all hospitality, and let his resources flow through you. I think the world is rather daunting these days. I don't know, maybe, maybe you're not even listening to the news because I think sometimes we almost have to turn it off because there's just so much going on. Yeah, we haven't even heard from Haiti today, have we? Because their communications are all wiped out. So what, what's that news that we're going to get there if they've just been hit by this hurricane? The hurricane is heading towards Florida. It's gone through Cuba. What's the news? What's the news? I don't know. We live in an incredible time of, of just turmoil all around us. There are things happening all over the world. Oh, God, how do we as your people practice hospitality? How do we become a part of this? Practicing hospitality. I challenge you to practice it, but never forget to bring the best dish. Never forget to bring the main dish. Never forget Jesus Christ. Never overlook anyone. Never overlook the woman in the middle. Never overlook somebody that doesn't look like you. Never overlook somebody that you have judged a deem or you have said they don't have the capabilities. Don't overlook them. They might be the most powerful person in the narrative. Hospitality must be love and action, and our hospitality is God's hospitality. And when our hospitality runs out, bring it to God and let God flow through you because he has eternal resources for hospitality. Let me take you back to my daughter just one more time, Christy. That was when she was in college. She's not 30 years old yet, but she lives in Manchester, England now. And uh, living in Manchester, England, she has a position helping people get out of homelessness. Maybe that doesn't surprise you. <laughs> She's been trying to figure out how in the world do I practice hospitality. And I was just visiting with her a couple of months ago, and we were walking through the city of Manchester. And as we're walking through the city, she's explaining to me, she said, we have about 200 homeless people that live here in downtown Manchester. And she said, uh, we're trying to find ways to provide home housing for the homeless people and figure things out for them. And as we're walking through the streets of Manchester, which is like walking through New York City, it's a crowded city, and all of a sudden, we just stop because she's busy talking with Dave. And she and Dave are just going on and having this conversation, and I'm standing next to my daughter's husband, and he says, Dave's one of the homeless guys here in Manchester. And so there my daughter is, face to face. She saw Dave in the crowd. She didn't overlook him, and she's having a conversation with Dave. And finally, she finishes up with Dave, and we keep on going. And the next thing you know, she's like, oh, hi, Lois. And she stops, and she's talking to this woman, Lois. <coughs> My son-in-law says it's another one of the homeless people of Manchester. Finally, as we keep on going, I said uh, to my daughter, I said, do you know every homeless person in the city of Manchester by name? She said, yeah, pretty much. convicting of me today. 
We are called to show hospitality in a world that desperately needs to see Jesus' love and action in a really powerful way. So I challenge you today to think about an intentional practice for you for hospitality. I'm going to ask you all please to stand. I know it's time for chapel to be over, and I'm going to say a prayer of blessing over you all. And this really isn't the type of message I normally preach, but somehow God put on my heart to talk to you all about hospitality today. Because I believe God is calling his people in a time when people are not being really hospitable that we've got to figure out how to be hospitable. So I'm leaving you today with an assignment. My assignment to you all today is to be intentional about practicing hospitality with someone with whom you have never practiced hospitality before. I'd like for you to find somebody here at ENC that you have never talked to before. Find somebody who's not part of your social group and have a conversation with them. Find somebody that's not like you and get to know them today. And figure out how God might unite you together as the people of God showing hospitality in a world that says, Christians, do you really know how to be hospitable or are you simply intolerant? And let me pray a prayer of blessing as I send you out with that assignment. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with the students of ENC today. Take them out into this community, the school, their world, and help them to be agents of hospitality and transformation for your kingdom's sake and your kingdom's glory. Lord, may we never overlook the woman in the middle. Lord, may we reach out in love and may we be filled with your resources and serve the best of what you have given us to our world. In your name, amen. Go with Christ.